Now we're delighted to uh, see you tonight, and before um, I call upon our sisters, um, they title themselves Heaven Bound, isn't that right? Uh, and it's Louise and Joanne, and we're really delighted to have them, and uh, they're going to come in a minute or two and sing to us a few pieces of scripture. Uh, I'll just let them uh, catch their breath um, after the singing of that hymn. Um, and we'll just read a very small portion of the scriptures tonight. I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. <coughs> now we were thinking this morning about Eunice. Remember Paul made reference to Timothy, calling to remembrance. Thy mother Eunice. And of course this is Mother's Day and we're thinking about uh, other mothers that are there in the Bible and it's a, it's a wonderful study, uh, the, the woman that's there in, in the Bible. I have been wrestling with one for about a fortnight now and um, maybe next Lord's Day if the Lord leads we may uh, preach on it. Sometimes you know uh, when we're preaching uh, you get a text of scripture, you get a theme in your mind and it just opens up. And that's a blessing. And it's wonderful when that happens. But there's other times when you have a text of scripture and you wrestle with it. And I've seen and known, not only of myself, but other ministers, wrestling with a piece of scripture for two or three weeks. And thinking there's a, a text there and you work on it a little while. You have to set it to the one side and just leave it be. And allow it to, in a sense, ferment and grow on you. And then you come back to it and all of a sudden all oh, you see it in a different light. Uh, so uh, that's what I've been doing with this particular character in the Old Testament uh, for a couple of weeks. But uh, maybe in the will of God we'll look at that uh, in uh, the not too distant future. But let me just read a few verses. Uh, John chapter 19 verse 25. This brings us to the cross of Jesus. Remember I made reference to this this morning. Mary at the cross and that's a good example for mothers. To, to get to the cross, come to the feet of Jesus. John chapter 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own house. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and gave up the ghost. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 30. It's a very short reading. And um, we pray and trust that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now we are delighted to have our sisters with us and uh, we're, we're going to ask them to come now and minister to us. Thank you so much. 
You know, it's wonderful. The Lord makes no mistakes. Um, the first couple of pieces we're going to sing is about Calvary. Amen. You know, we pray, we prayed, we were practicing, practicing Friday night, and the first piece we're going to sing is actually a new piece. And we had been practicing off and on over the months. The piece we've been wrestling with. <laughs> but we felt tonight, we'd actually something else picked, and we felt tonight, though, that we were to sing this here tonight, so the Lord's good. Amen. And we just pray it'll be a blessing to your hearts. Calvary's story started in a garden with a choice by a
It's not cathedrals, it's not steeples, it's not crosses made of gold. It's not just sentimental stories that have been passed down from old. It's not religion, nor tradition, that can save the souls of
Thank you, ladies, for those two lovely messages. The Calvary story goes on. Hallelujah. Still been written today. And it's all about the blood, the sacrifice, the cross. Now that's at the heart of the gospel. I'm thinking to myself, if only I could sing. You're probably thinking, we wish you could too. And I pray every day the Lord will help me to give praise to his name. We're especially delighted to have our sisters, uh, Joanna and Louise, with us. And we're going to ask them to bring a final piece. And then we'll close with a wee word in the gospel. Thank you. It was very remiss first time we were up. Didn't actually thank you for the invitation to be here this evening. <laughs> uh, but it is lovely to be here. And, and uh, you know, we always pray that we will be where the Lord wants us to be. Um, so we believe that the invitation wasn't by accident. And that's we're, we're meant to be here this evening. Amen. You know, the last piece we're going to sing, you probably have heard it before. Um, and it's the first line says, we'll soon, soon we'll come to the end, the end of life's journey and perhaps never meet anymore. You know, both of us were saved at the age of 10, only Joanne's much older than me, so she's been saved longer. <laughs> much older. But we've, we know what it is to trust in the Lord, and Amen. if anything should happen to us, you know, we know that we're going to heaven. We have that assuredly. And I just want to share with you just a very short story about my grandmother. And um, my grandmother wasn't saved. But she, if you didn't know her, if you didn't know that, you'd have thought she was a very godly lady. She was very respectful of people. She was very generous. She would have given you a very coat of her back. She always paid into her church. She she done everything right. But she didn't know the Lord as her saviour. And she used to say at her latter days she lived at home with ourselves. And I remember Joanne at that time Vivian was singing with us and we used to practice and we used to hear the walk in the aid. She loved music and she used to hear the walk in the aid and I said, right, we need to sing the gospel. And we sang the gospel faithfully to my grandmother for years. But you know, she was ushered out into eternity to our knowledge without knowing the Saviour. And I'll be honest, it broke my heart. I broke my heart. And the devil nearly won because I was just going to give up. What's the point? Yes. And then someone said to me, you don't know every second of her life. That's right. And you have to have the hope that she's in heaven, that she trusted in the Lord and asked for forgiveness of sins. And that's why we stand and sing, is to tell you of our Saviour, to tell you that you need to be saved. But I shared that story at a, at a meeting. Uh, and a few weeks later, we were singing at a convention and a lady came up to me and she says, you don't know me, but you were singing such a meeting and you shared the story about your grandmother I said that's right we said there was a man in that meeting and three days after that he was found dead in his home and my question was was he saved and she says not to our knowledge and that broke my heart too but again you have to have the hope that he heard the gospel that's right and they trusted in the Lord and I'm sharing this story with you is because perhaps you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord don't let it be too late Will you come to him tonight and be saved? Soon we'll come to the end of life's journey And perhaps never meet anymore Till we die 
Let's just turn to God's word, to John chapter 19. We'll have a little prayer and then we'll share a little thought this evening in the gospel. Lord, we just want to thank thee for thy presence with us. We're glad, Lord, our sisters through their ministry and song have taken us to Calvary. And we're glad, Lord, that the story of the cross work of Christ goes on. We thank thee that it is all about the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And, O oh God, we know that one day the journey will be over. And, Lord, the chief question is for us, will it be absent from the body, present with the Lord? We thank thee for the great hope of the gospel. And yet we fear that many don't have this sure and certain hope of mercy. Open eyes, open the ears, even use your word tonight as we close the meeting, Lord. We plead the blood. We ask for the help of thy Holy Spirit. Lord, shut us in now with thee. Let thy speaking voice be heard. Lord, none of us are here by accident. We're here by design. Lord, we cry to thee. We, we ask thee in Jesus' name. Come and work now by the Holy Spirit. Lord, thou art striving with souls. Thou art striving for some time. And Lord, we pray for those yet without Christ, that they too might be saved. Lord, we plead the blood to this end. I ask for the help and aid of thy blessed Holy Spirit. Lord, take these few words and use them tonight for thy glory, if it's pleasing to thee. Undertake to this end, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now my text tonight is taken from John chapter 19 and the verse 30. And my theme this evening is a teenager saved in a hayloft. So you know the text. Here's the theme a teenager saved in the hayloft. And you're immediately thinking, now who's the teenager? Let me tell you that this teenager's name was none other than Hudson Taylor. 
Hudson Taylor was born in 1832. He died in 1905. He founded the China Inland Mission. Whenever he died, there was 205 mission stations throughout China. There were some 800 to 1,000 missionaries. And in that time, there was 125,000 Chinese believers. Now, I want you to think this evening of the way that Hudson Taylor was saved. It was on an afternoon of a holiday. He was bored, as teenagers can be, especially on holiday. He was looking for something to do to while away the hours. So he ended up in his father's library. He looked at the shelves and the different books and none really seemed appealing. And then he came across some booklets and tracked in a basket on the floor. He started to leaf through the pile and one appeared to catch his eye. The title was The Finished Work of Christ. Now Hudson Taylor as a teenager enjoyed reading a good story. And providing it was interesting, he was determined of course to read the story but not to read the moral application. And once he started to read this tract he, he couldn't put it down. He read right through to the end of the tract and he was struck by the words, It is finished. And the thought in his mind was, What does that mean? It is finished. In times past, he had been frequently troubled about his soul under conviction of sin. On this occasion, he felt, however, he was in an utterly unconcerned state but suddenly as he read and thought of the words it is finished he, he was being moved in his spirit he was being troubled again about his soul and getting right with God now providentially at the time of reading the tract and the gospel message his mother was 70 miles away she was visiting some other friends and oddly enough she, at that time, was on her knees praying for him, pleading for God to save her only boy. As I've said, she was visiting friends while in conversation she became so burdened and exercised about Hudson Taylor's spiritual and eternal welfare. She retired to her room, got on her knees, and she resolved as a mother not to leave the room until the Lord had saved her boy. So hour after hour it passed, maybe two or three and she continued in fervent prayer. And suddenly she felt, Lord, I can pray no longer. I'm not going to ask you again to do this. I just believe that you're going to answer prayer. That's the way Hudson Taylor was saved. Now, now think of where Hudson Taylor was saved. He retired from his father's library to the hayloft. You're, you're familiar with the hayfield, no doubt. And you're probably more familiar with the hay shed. But way back then, uh, they called it the hay loft. And he read the tract again, lying on his back on the hay. And before too long, he had turned from his back and got on his knees. And in the hay loft, he found himself crying to God for mercy. You see, the Spirit of God had moved on his heart and mind. 
God had opened his eyes of understanding. God had opened his ears. And he was hearing the voice of God as he read the tract. And there on the hay, he met with the holy God of heaven and received Christ as his Lord and Savior. Now, he wasn't in a church. You see, you don't need to be in a church building to be saved. Now, we, of course, don't despise church buildings. We don't despise the Mission Hall or the Orange Hall. But they're not necessary. You can be saved anywhere. Here's a teenager who was saved in a hayloft. He wasn't with a minister. There was no pastor present or spiritual advisor present. He wasn't with his parents. He wasn't with his friends. He was on his own. God was dealing with him as a teenager. And here was a day that he never forgot. A day when he met Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and was gloriously saved. Hence the title, A Teenager Saved in a Hayloft. Think of when Hudson Taylor got saved. He was a teenager. He was but a lot. The ladies have told us tonight, saved when they were 10. I was saved myself when I was 18. Doesn't the Bible say, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me? And what a wonderful thing it is to seek the Lord early in life. Isn't there lots of things to attract our teenagers today? Lots of sinful pleasure. Don't we live in a drink culture? Don't we live in a a drugs culture? Don't we live in a a disco culture when it's the party scene? When teenagers are encouraged to, to have a good time? And the Bible talks about the pleasures of sin. Now they're only for a season. Last week, Um, Wilford Crawford and I were visiting James McClelland in the hospital and he was recounting to us of the first-hand experience he had in speaking to those that were converted in the Lewis revival. And he was telling us about the night that revival broke out in the Isle of Lewis in Scotland. And he said a thing that struck me. He said the minister was so wise. Now now think of a minister of the gospel, a clergyman with a collar on, going into a party scene where there's drink and other frivolities. And you would normally think, this man will go and read the royal act to them. He would read the riot act. That's probably what I would have done. And said to those young people, and scolded them a lot of things. This minister didn't. You know what he said, and I quote, it's, it's nice to see young people enjoying themselves. It gives me a thrill to see young people getting satisfaction. But you know, young people, there's a greater satisfaction. There's a greater joy. Young people, there's a greater pleasure if you only knew where to find it. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I, I want to introduce you to the one who can give you life and life to the full. Of course, they ended up singing a psalm. The Spirit of God moved and the dance came to an end. Hudson Taylor was a young convert. His soul was saved in the hayloft, but he was saved as a teenager. And I want to stress that. Do you know, eventually his mother came home. And of course, like all teenagers, when something good happens, he couldn't wait to tell his mother. And... um, when his mother came into the house, he said, Mommy, I've something to tell you. 
And you know what she said? Hudson, I know. And he says, no, no but you don't know, Mummy. Mummy, I've got saved. Hudson, I know. Well, well, who told you? Remember, he's the only boy. He's got a sister, but, but he's the only boy. He thinks, did the sister tell Mother? And she said, son, nobody told me. Two or three hours ago, when I was visiting Mrs. So-and-so, I became burdened for your soul. And God directed me to the, the, uh, go to uh, prayer. And I've been praying for two or three hours. And I've just got off my knees. And the minute I got off my knees, I had the assurance and confidence that the Lord was going to answer. And I've just gone home. And you've confirmed it. You've got saved. Glory to God. Not only the way that he got saved... And where he got saved and the, 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 the when he got saved. But, but think lastly of the word. When Hudson Taylor got saved. You see, here was the word. This was the text. John 19 and 30. Three words. It is finished. Now, now think of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Remember this is the last of seven cries from the cross I believe that the Lord Jesus even in his dying moments was still in complete and absolute control I don't, I don't believe he was gasping for breath I believe he, he chose the very second he chose the moment when he would die and give up the ghost and the Bible tells us uh, there uh, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And remember what we read in John chapter 10 and verse 17. He said something very, very interesting. He says, Because I lay down my life that I might take it again, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. This power, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And if you think tonight of the Lord Jesus in his dying moment, crying out this cry, it is finished. And I put it to you, this is a true gem from heaven. A gem so remarkable and infinite, a gem so rare and so costly that it really deserves a whole sermon. We have preached maybe two sermons, at least in my 15 years of being here, on this very text of Scripture. But on the surface, there's three things that jumped out of me as I thought of the word through which Hudson Taylor got saved. Not only the, the way... Not only the when, not only the where, but the word. It is finished. Three things very quickly. The task that's inferred. It. Not I. It. You see, it refers to a work and a task that God the Father gave God the Son to do. In John chapter 17, in the high priestly prayer, Jesus said... I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And what was that work? The work of securing eternal redemption. You see, God is a work for every servant. Jesus Christ was the perfect servant. He said, what do you not? I must be about my father's business. Remember, even at the age of 12. You see, once you're saved... And you begin to, in a sense, sup with God in a fellowship. 
because that's what a true born-again Christian does. He has a craving and a desire for God and his word and for everything to do with the person and work of Christ. And the moment that person who is saved begins to sup in fellowship with the Lord, he wants to serve the Lord. If we put it this way, once you're saved and become a newborn babe, the babe will desire the milk of the word. And the babe will begin to grow and desire the meat of the word. And once you partake of milk and meat of the word of God uh, and have a new attitude to God and his word, I've got a word from God. This is an inspired book. This is a God-breathed book. You'll want to serve the Lord. And as servants who are saved, we have a task and a job to do given to us by the Lord. You mothers, you fathers, you have a job of prayer. And pray for yourselves and your family, either in private, but also in public. You you have a job to practice. By your life and by your lip, you're being a witness for Christ. You have a job of preaching, to, to tell others that they need to be saved. Whether it's in song, or whether it's in speech, You have a job of praising the Lord, even in dark and difficult times. When it's not easy, and when it's tough going, and the circumstances are hard, you see the child of God who's saved, who's supping with the Lord, who's serving the Lord even in hard and difficult days, days when it's dark, you see the gospel works. And he doesn't give up and abandon Christ and say, I'll have nothing more to do with this. There's a spirit of perseverance. Why? Because he's held by the grace of God. And even in those moments when you cry out, Why has God saved me? Why did God send me here? Just think of this. The Lord has me here to be a witness. Doesn't the Bible talk about saints in Caesar's household? And if there could be saints in Caesar's household, then there could be saints anywhere. The task that's inferred. Notice secondly and quickly, the time that is stated. It is, is, is in the present tense. It speaks of that moment when Jesus cried from the tree. It's it's taken us back 2,000 years ago at that very moment. Not it will be. Not that it should be. Not that it could be. It is finished. And the word finished means done, complete. The Greek word is tetelestai. And you see this finished work, nobody could add to it. Nobody could perfect it. Nobody could attempt to do that because once they did, they would spoil and mar it. I read recently there about the White House in America getting a makeover. And whenever the painters were in, uh, they were stripping some old paint off the doors. And they came across this pair of beautiful oak doors. Now, being a a, a former carpenter, I have a fascination for wood myself. And um, the story goes that the painters were standing looking at the door and thinking... Why paint over a thing of beauty? Surely the paint has spoiled the door. It has marred the door. The door was perfect as it is. And you see, that's the way 
the work of Christ is. Think of the third verse of the hymn, Rock of Ages. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. You can't add to the finished work. It's done. It's complete. It's perfect. It was done and complete and perfect 2,000 years ago. The Bible tells us, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice forever, sat down in the right hand of God. Why did he sit down? Because the work was complete. Not only the task that's inferred and the time that's stated, but note the truth that's emphasised. Finished. You see, whenever Hudson Taylor picked up the tract, the finished work of Christ, the word finished stuck in his mind. What does finished mean? And he could only come to one answer. And it was his mother again who taught him this truth. And the answer was, the word finished means a full and perfect atonement and sacrifice for sin that was offered. In other words, the debt of sin that I owed to a sin-hating God was fully paid for me by the Lord Jesus. And this is what he thought, and I quote, If the work of atonement is finished, if the mighty debt of sin is paid, what is there left for me to do? And the only conclusion he could come to was nothing. And in a moment, the Holy Spirit opened his eyes. In a moment, he saw truth. In a moment, his understanding was enlightened. And he understood that on account of what the Lord Jesus did in Calvary's tree, God's divine justice was satisfied. The law of God had perfectly been fulfilled. And that the wrath of God had been meted out in Christ and the curse due to sin. And by believing in Christ, he could escape the wrath of God and the curse due to sin. And in that moment, he was gloriously saved. All the abuse that Christ suffered, it was finished. You think of the abuse that was heaped in Jesus. Wasn't he called a devil? Wasn't he called a wine-bibber? Wasn't it said of him, this man receiveth sinners? They were being derogatory towards Christ. He's identifying with with the worst dregs of society. All the agony that he suffered was finished. But we could talk tonight, if we come to the cross, about his physical sufferings. Think of what they did to his body. Very soon we'll be coming to Easter, we'll be thinking about the passion of Christ. And you think about them spitting in his face. Would you like someone to spit in your face? You you would be offended, wouldn't you? And rightly so. Think about somebody slapping you. Think about somebody pulling your your, your facial hair. Think about being scourged till your body was running red with blood. Think about the crown of thorns. Think about the, the nails that were put into his hand. Can you hear the thud of the hammer? He was bearing that physically. And add to that the mental agony. Because remember he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He, he, He walked Calvary's path alone. Think of the emotional turmoil that was going through his soul. 
And there's many references in the Psalms a thousand years before that accurately predict what Christ felt in his soul. And you know, very soon, for us again, it'll be another Good Friday. Well, think about the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on Calvary's tree. And as you think about his death, you remember this. He died as a substitute. He took my place. He, he died as a surety. He was paying the debt that we couldn't pay to the broken law. He, he, he died as a sin offering. He was bearing the wrath of God. He, he was dying as a sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God. Remember, John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. A once and for all sacrifice for sin. He was the sin bearer. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And this abuse was over. This agony was over. In the moment he secured eternal redemption and made a full atonement for his people. Here's the truth to be emphasized. And that was the word that stuck in Hudson Taylor's mind. Let me just ask you as we finish tonight, have you a testimony to the saving and keeping power of Jesus Christ? Can you speak of the way in which you were brought to Christ? We're all individuals. God deals with us individually. Some are saved early in life. Some are saved late in life. But, but there's all a way that we were brought by God. And glory to God, we can talk about where. Dr. Paisley used to tell us that, that as a child of six, there's a pew down in the Whitfield College of the Bible where he knelt at and got saved. And, and, and what a thing it is to be able to say where it happened. And when did it happen? What word was used? For Hudson Taylor, here was the word. Three words. It is finished. And I leave that word with you today. Take it home with you. It is finished. Think of the task. Think of the time. But think of the truth. The work of redemption is complete and you can't add to it because once you would add to something it's perfect you'd mar and spoil it you have a soul you need to be saved our sisters there were singing it's all about the blood it's all about the sacrifice it's all about what jesus christ has done there's nothing you can do to save yourself the bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he has saved us. You see, your righteousness is filthy rags in his sight. Your works are sinful. And, and even the best of your works would never satisfy a holy God. The work's been done. And your job, your responsibility, is to accept Christ. Have you received him? Have you believed in him? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. May the Lord take these few thoughts tonight in the gospel and bless them to her heart.